listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome to another episode of I Might Be Wrong. How are you doing, Henry? Very well, thanks, Rich. Yeah, I've uh, got a beer in hand. Life is good. How about you? Nice. Uh, I don't have a beer, but I have been drinking heavily since 2pm and we're now (laughs) at 8pm. So, you know, it's all good. You've got a glass of your finest tap water in your hand. I have indeed. That's good. It's all about balance. Life is about balance. Well, I'm going back for beer after this. Yeah. Well, as soon as we finish recording. Cool. Well, in, the, in that case, let's let's get moving because you need, to, you need to get back on the wagon. Absolutely. So we talked about Lily Allen last week and you have got a very slight change of pace for us. Who who have you brought for us to discuss? Yeah, I guess I guess change of pace in the musical style. Um, actually, yeah, total change of pace. We're talking <laughs> about Rage Against the Machine with their eponymous album Rage Against the Machine. Excellent. I'm glad you picked that one. I wasn't sure which one you were going to go for. Well, I was hoping this was the one you were going to go for. It's actually, yeah, not as clear cut as um, you would have thought. I think with and a, a few Rage fans will will also say a similar thing that some of their later albums kind of do have some really, really good stuff on it. But this is the album for me. Right. And, and I'm with you. There is definitely just as strong an album in the battle of los angeles exactly it's just for me i think i found rage against the machine first out of the two of them exactly yeah the the battle of los angeles is um is huge but this one it really captures uh the spirit of the band in a way that the later albums don't quite so yeah this is where i'll start all right so tell us a little bit about rage against the machine who who are they okay so we'll go for um the band first uh they're a four piece mm-hmm. i'm going to start with their bassist first who no one talks about called <laughs> called tim comerford because he's a mountain biker um and therefore he's oh, okay. top of the list the fact that if you look in the liner notes for the battle of los angeles he's got all his bikes in there he kind of names them um so <laughs> so anyway so so he's top of the list for me i'm going to mention the drummer next because i'll end up mentioning him last and there's nothing to really mention about him apart from his name's brad wilk but anyway that's the drummer. But the two guys that really make up Rage Against the Machine and that everyone knows about, there's Zach Della Rocca. What about him? Um, so he, his granddad was a Mexican revolutionary. Um, so before we go any further, Rage Against the Machine are all about defiance, fighting the power, all this stuff. Uh, they, I, I love the fact, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt, but I love the fact that there's been a whole thing in the last six to 12 months with the whole... Black Lives Matter movement, all that kind of thing, where Rage Against the Machine have obviously just said all their usual political stuff. And there's all these right wing American idiots who have suddenly realized that while they love the music of Rage Against the Machine, they are completely on the opposite end of the political spectrum from them. They're like, oh, I wish they'd just stop with all this political stuff. It's completely unnecessary. It's like, have you listened to any of their albums? Yeah, I mean to to call them political is is an understatement. We'll go on to that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he so he's he's an interesting interesting guy. He um I think he got kind of rejected at high school. Uh, his his mates his his white friends kind of ditched him because he was into breakdancing and hip hop and rapping and things. So mm-hmm. so he's uh, I guess kind of one of the main characters. And then um, Tom Morello is the guitarist and the guy who really brought the band together. Potentially, he's the 
the brains in the outfit. Um, he went to Harvard studying social studies and he kind of recruited the band. He's an interesting one as well. So his father's Kenyan. Um, he was in the, and his grandfather, I think, was in the Mau Mau uprising in Kenya. So huh. both of them have this kind of history, family history of fighting the power, if you like, and uh, kind of just trying to stand out and, and, and make a stand. So part of his backstory, which is interesting that I read recently, was that he went to move to LA once he graduated, couldn't find work. So started working as a stripper, which was funny. But then after that, he worked um, in a senator's office and he thought, you know, this is where I can make a mark, make my mark and really, mm-hmm. you know, help the world. And he just said, all that happened when he was working in the senator's office was that the senator would just phone pe- phone rich people asking for money. Right. And that was the American political system in front of him. And I think that combined with Della Rocca's um, political antics, they, they bumped into each other and, and that's how they formed. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, anyone who knows much about the American political system understands that it's all funded by very rich individuals and corporations and there's no real input for the normal common American person. Yeah, there's a good quote by Zach in uh, an interview mm-hmm. and he said, uh, he's put it succinctly, he said, when a when a government system's only motive is profit and not the maintenance and embetterment of the population, then it should be challenged and questioned. Yeah. Bam. And he just said that straight up in an interview and it was like, you know what, that's a really good way of putting it. And it's also probably the get out clause for me being a kind of... <laughs> white privileged guy working in a used to work in a bank and and so people would look at me and say well you can't like rage against the machine because you're you've benefited from the system and i think the the counter to that is as long as you can challenge the system where necessary that's the important part and that's why i think people like rage against the machine and that they can stand up and it's showing you that you can you can shout if you want to yeah there's there's an element of it's not up to other people to dictate to you what the right way to make your feelings about that kind of thing known. Like it's up to you to decide what the right way is for, you know, you to say that you're not okay with shit that's going on and and everyone's different. Yeah. We've all still got to live in the system. We've all still, you can't opt out because you'll just starve and die. <laughs> yeah. You've got to decide what <laughs> what is right for you. And I think there's an element of just, even if it's just self-education and Rage Against Machine is a large chunk of that self-education, if you listen to the lyrics, which obviously a lot of idiot Americans don't, but that's part of what they're trying to do is to educate people to think a bit more critically about systems and for themselves. Yeah, exactly. So tell us about the album. Give give us some information about what what's their sound? What are we listening to when when you think of Rage Against the Machine? Well, the, the first thing that you get with the album isn't the sound. If you've seen the album cover, that cover is 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 quite um is quite shocking. On the front of it is is a Vietnamese Buddhist monk. His name is was Tich Kang Duc. He was protesting at the persecution of Buddhists by the Vietnamese government in 1963, and he basically did a peaceful protest where he and a bunch of other monks said. We're going to gather in this place in Vietnam and I'm going to set myself on fire. And the picture is of him alight. And yeah, this is his protest. Yep. Which which to see that on an album cover is amazing. It's one of those really 
historically important images. So you think about images like that. This is one of them, the tank and the guy in um, Tiananmen Square. Square. Like there's certain images throughout 19th, 20th, 21st century history. And this is an incredible image. But the fact that a lot of people only really know it because it's on a Rage Against Machine album cover is like, that's kind of politically important. Yeah, it, it won a Pulitzer Prize, the photo. And strangely enough that the government at the time um, were a US-backed government and Kennedy found out about all this and he saw what was going on and it took a US-backed coup to overthrow the government who were previously US-backed to sort this all out. What a mess. Anyway. Oh, classic American foreign policy, but let's not go into that. Well, precisely, but that's where this music comes from. So, the album. Mm-hmm. The album is... Where do we go? It's kind of funk, hip-hop, metal. It almost spawned all of those terrible new metal bands in the <laughs> 2000s. There's rap over the top of, I guess, a fairly funky metal band. Yep. What do you think of when you when you hear about them? For me, they're sort of in the same ballpark as someone like Prodigy in that they are very aggressive musically. There's this very hard-hitting vocal style, and it's it's a different sound so where prodigy are a bit more electronica and this is a bit more hip-hop but it's that general area of of very angry but for the right reasons aggressive music yeah and you're bang on like it's funk it's rap it's all of those things sort of fused together Uh, and there's just some incredible music that they produced yeah so they just before the album was written they they did their first live performance in um in California. It's on the internet, 51 minutes of them basically playing this album in full. So before they recorded it, so they got signed by Epic Records, who were a subsidiary of Sony. Um, So Mm -hmm. don't go there in terms of, oh, the man. (laughs) Um, But they (laughs) they got signed by Epic. But it's almost a kind of precursor to the album in that most of the songs are there. They're they're Mm -hmm. very different, or some of them are changed. Some of them have the music, but not the lyrics. And it was a prototype, effectively. Okay. But if you watch it, it's brilliant. They're like classic 90s. They've got massively baggy jeans. You know the thing where you wear, or people, I I did this, where you wore a long long sleeve t-shirt underneath a short sleeve t-shirt. It was a cool look. Yeah. I did that. (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't cool. But, um, (laughs) But they... That was the kind of style, and that was the the era they got they got into. But yeah, in terms of the songs, mm-hmm. where, where do you go? What a way to open an album! Bomb track. I was mentioning this the other day to you. I think in terms of best debut album opening songs, this has got to be up mm-hmm. there. Just a belter. Oh, absolute! Just just an incredible song. The band put a lot of. There's so much energy into it, and the recording for the album is interesting because they originally tried to record in a studio and they felt when they played it back that they couldn't get the energy and the sound that they wanted. So they ended up building a, uh, effectively a, a soundstage or a, okay. or effectively a gig venue, but with all of the recording inputs there so that they could almost be on stage but record live. So they would record the the drums and all play and then they'd record the the guitar, and they'd, they'd move through the, the different instruments to try and capture the sound. Okay. So they play the track as if it was a live track, but they'd only record one specific element at a time? Yeah, or, they, or they'd pick pick the elements off and um, and try and capture that. But, That's um, cool. Yeah, so basically they wanted to make this 
kind of visceral sound. And if you listen to the album right from the get-go, that opening song just kind of lodges in your in your ears. Obviously, next... Oh, um, the guitars at the start Yeah, it's amazing. Just that build. It's such a Rage Against the Machine classic open to a track where it's this sort of quiet, quiet, louder, 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 louder. And then the like the drums slam in and everything just <laughs> launches into 100%. Yeah, they're, they're good at that. Obviously, next is um, Killing in the Name, which is probably their most famous song. It's definitely one of my favourites. Uh, Christmas number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Th- this was their first single. Epic actually wanted them to release the most profane track. So they said, they, they picked it. So this is the one that's going to be a single. Apparently in in the UK um, and Europe, it was better received because um, it got airplay because they tried to censor it. But in the States, it was... It wasn't right. Anyway, the, it was. This was <laughs> completely purposefully the record company's first song because they knew that this would rile some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that lyric of well, the the kind of going from the verse, so the bridge lyric, and then this shouted, screamed, "Fuck you! I won't do what you tell me." Is just amazing. It is. It really is. And there's something so. I wouldn't say it's not uplifting, is it? But it's very energising when you listen to their music. Yeah, yeah, that's the right word. If you're in a gym um, and you've got a Rage Against the Machine on in the background, you're going to probably kind of pump a lot more iron than you would have done if they weren't playing. They, they have this amazing way of making you feel alive. Um, I actually used to, <laughs> I used to put on Wake Up, which is later in the album. Uh, yeah. I used to do that before my exams. Um, I used to play it as my kind of pre-exam track, which is stupid because I walked into my exams absolutely pumped and I ended up messing them up. <laughs> Wake Up was actually... You, you'll you'll recognise it if you don't know Rage Against the Machine because it was on The Matrix. So yeah. that's the, the background music. That's actually my way into Rage Against the Machine <sighs> is the seeing The Matrix, a lot of the music on that soundtrack I hadn't really heard before. I hadn't really explored those artists because a lot of my listening in the kind of late nineties was much more indie and indie rock than the kind of heavier stuff. And so when I heard wake up, it was literally a wake up call for me for that kind of music. And all of a sudden I was like, I need to go and listen to more of this. I went and got the album and yeah. So wake up for me is like that specifically how I got in is through the matrix soundtrack. I I was on a probably triply recorded cassette in the school playground. We had a bit of a a division between Nirvana and Rage Against the Machine in our, in our playground. And I kind of sat on the fence, but there was, I think there was only one guy who like Rage Against the Machine. Everyone else was on the Nirvana crowd. So it's this one guy who was on his own. The only other song I'd call out on there, um, they're all brilliant. They're all great. But Bullet in the Head. Yes, I'm glad you killed out that one. So the reason that I, I need to call out Bullet in the Head is probably isn't the start of the song. It's at 2 minutes 54 and I've found it and I wrote it down so that I could, if you're listening to this, find the song, go to 2 minutes 54 and listen to one of the most amazing pieces of... Uh, I guess, return to chorus in music history. The the drums, when they kick in after that, almost kind of shake the house down. Uh, the whole thing just goes bananas. Absolutely wonderful piece of music. And um, it's the sound of a whole band who know exactly what they want to do. It's great. The, the other thing about, I think, Bullet in the Head for me is 
just Tom Morello doing things with a guitar that I didn't know were possible from a sound perspective. Do you, do you know how he does that? No. Okay, so his guitar has two pickups on it. So he turns one get- one pickup off. So one's at zero and the other one's at 10. And on the, on the guitar, you've got a, a switch that flicks it between the two pickups. So you can either be mid or fully one or, f- or, fully, or fully on or fully mm-hmm. off. So it means that he can use the little switch as a kind of as an on off button so when you hear this kind of okay that's him turning his pickups on and off really 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 quickly and he can do that because there's a switch there to do it so he's he's basically kind of almost mixing the sound by turning his guitar on and off or fading it in and out really 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 fast with his fingers just to flick it on and off it's cool that's very cool it's almost like the guitar tech equivalent of scratching yeah, it, it's what he's doing. I mean, he's it's a dynamic. His guitar's making a sound, and he's he's dicking around with the sound that's coming out of his guitar by yeah. turning it on and off. So it's it's very very clever. That's immensely cool. I had no idea how that was. I was just like, that sounds amazing. I'd never bothered looking up actually how to how he was doing it. Yeah, and and actually, if you, nice. It's not that difficult. Well, it is pretty difficult to do, but you can do it on a guitar and almost recreate it so yeah he's a big star trek geek as well he's he sounds like a kind of interesting guy he's apparently appeared in star trek really um, in one of the episodes yeah he was he's such a fan that somehow he managed to get onto the uh onto the filming of it but yeah so so this album as a whole just a total blockbuster for me yeah I don't need to go into any uh, any of the other songs because they're all similar. Well, we should leave space on the playlist because we're going to talk about some other albums because there's no way we can't talk about Evil Empire and Battle of Los Angeles at least. Yeah, I guess um, we'll do Evil Empire briefly. I guess Bulls on Parade is a song that people know about. <laughs> Probably <laughs> is it Guitar Hero? Uh, I would have thought so. But I mean, it is an absolute belter anyway. Just that opening guitar riff is brilliant. Yeah. And and again, that sort of, it encapsulates something that Rage do really well, which is this like big, huge musical opening. And then this almost like space of almost silence and then kicking in again. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, that's true. They do use silence really well. They'll use mm-hmm. pauses and breaks to really emphasize their sound. It's very clever. Yeah, for a loud band, they use silence incredibly well. That's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but yes, absolutely. We should go on to the Battle of Los Angeles because I think musically it, it's right up there with, um, I mean, you, it's on a par with Rage Against the Machine. I think for me, Rage Against the Machine, the album, has the better individual tracks. Battle of Los Angeles has a higher overall bar of quality across the whole album. Yes, yeah, definitely. I want to start with, well, a couple of call-outs. I'm going to start with Sleep Now and the Fire. Nice. And the reason I want to call it out isn't because of the album version, but because of the the video. Okay. Have you seen it? I have not. So the video is directed by Michael Moore. Okay. He he phoned up uh, the, the, the Manhattan, I don't know, council, whoever. He phoned up the mayor and said, uh, I've got a band that wants to play some music can we play on these steps um, on Wall Street? And like some guy in like the mayor's office was like, oh, what are they called? They're raising against the machine. Okay, you can play on the steps, but just stay on the steps. And so raising against the machine went to Wall Street. They went on this kind of memorial steps and they were told just 
play your song on that steps and then off you go and they caused absolute havoc they basically started running around i think more got arrested once they'd finished sleep there in the fire they tried to crash the new york stock exchange they tried to run inside it I've heard that part of the story. I didn't realise that was part of recording this video. Yeah, it was all at the same time. And they had to <laughs> shut the front of the stock exchange and they rolled down all the kind of blast doors and things because it, it was it was total chaos. But Amazing. the video has it all on there. Uh, it's worth a watch. Yep. That's so good. I love that. And I love, I love the whole like sleepwalking into it. That it's just so typical of that kind of big capitalist system that just doesn't worry about the little things like oh it'll yeah. be fine rather depressingly they lost um the mtv music award that year to limp biscuit um <laughs> which just makes me sad but yeah all the way through that album i was gonna start reading out songs that i really like but you know what i can't the whole album the is whole just album really good I, just, I, ca- I can't call out well there are loads of them they're all good I want to call out Gorilla Radio because it's one yeah. of my all-time favorite Rage Against the Machine songs. That the guitar the riff- intro for this is just so good. The build-up to this song is spectacular, and it just all goes fucking nuts. About what a minute in? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And this is the thing about we've been talking about Rage Against the Machine for some time now, but I think if you haven't. And right now, I'm more enthusiastic than I was at the start of this chat. And they're the kind of band that will get you thinking and get you energised. Yeah. Um, if you don't know them, just whack an album on and and just give them a listen because they just they just wake you up a bit. They're very good. Yeah. If you are a fan of the heavier side of rock music or the more political side of hip hop, it is going to be an album that will speak to you. The music's fantastic. Bass lines are incredible. The guitar work is... I mean, musically, it's just all really, really great. The political messages are, you know, they might not be for everyone, but they will speak to a lot of people. Yeah, they go after um, governments, the police, basically all of the the big power systems in America and just, and just poke at them and just say... Do you really understand what these these groups are doing? You know what is sort of depressing about this chat for me is that this was all stuff. I mean, their main body of work, the really big stuff that they recorded was recorded between the early to late 90s and it's 20 plus years later and nothing's changed. In fact, it's probably got worse in America. It was depressing for them, I think. So they didn't split up, but they basically stopped their work um, when... They realised they were critically acclaimed. They had a huge fan base all over the world, especially in America. And they were trying to make statements. And everyone was like, yeah, we totally get it. But the political system didn't change. Right. Yeah. Which is you get to a certain point where it's like, what's what's the fucking point? <laughs> yeah. So, so I think after the, the Battle of Los Angeles, they did just... They slowed down just because they said, well, we're trying so hard. Yeah. Uh, and, and nothing's nothing's changing. Did you listen to Renegades much? Uh, yeah, I did. I I do love the Renegades of Funk. That's a great track. It's, it's good. But, but I don't know that much more of here. No, I, I listened to it, but it's just, um, I, I don't think it was that well received either. And I think it was a disillusioned band and a disillusioned public and it just didn't work as well i also think there's an element of 2000 you've sort of just got after the millennium bug there's there's a lot of like 
happy contentedness in the American system at this point, and so I wonder whether people just weren't that bothered about them. It's it's funny, isn't it? They just, I guess, because just after this, 2001, the world totally changed, and you'd kind of think if they had appeared on the scene in 2001 maybe they would have made a difference. But yeah, they, they kind of stopped just when almost you needed the most. I sort of disagree. I think part of the way things fell politically after 2001, where America got very much behind the political like war on terror, we need to kill the terrorists and get rid of those terrorist systems and it's us against them and them being, you know, all these foreign terrorists basically gave a lot of power to the US government that it hadn't necessarily had in the 90s in that way and almost they'd be seen as unpatriotic for railing against people who are going to save us from the terrorists true but then i guess if you look at the vietnam war and the 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 backlash that that had and the kind of the the culture and the arts that came up around the opposition to that right i don't know I don't know. We're kind of guessing. We're trying to work out how history would have like unfolded. I? <laughs> I think. I think the thing is when you have such a monumental, visceral thing of the twin towers falling, that that's such a uniting thing in the states versus the enemy, whoever they want to make the enemy. It's taken a decade or two for people to understand that that narrative just isn't real. Yeah. Fair. Fair point. So yeah. Anyway, wow. We're going. We're going deep into. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> deep into life um, after. But then I guess. But that's the point, right? The the whole point about Rage Against the Machine and the kind of thing that they as a band would be kind of smiling and nodding at us talking about this are they make you think about that kind of stuff. Yep. And that's 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 the point of them, which is great. Absolutely. So, have you seen them live? No. Have you? I've really really wish i had but i have not so they were they were one of the bands who i would have found out and they played at i think they played at reading and i couldn't go and blah 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 mm-hmm. yeah they they then played in finsbury park for their thank you for getting us to christmas number one right in 2010 but i remember i remember the tickets going on sale they they sold out in like i don't know under an hour it's one of those you had to mm-hmm. be online and clicking to to get tickets but I didn't even try because I was kind of sulking about it. I was like, oh, no, you're all fake fans. You're not real Rage Against the Machine fans. <laughs> you're all looking at it from the Christmas number one and they're swearing. You you don't really know who Rage Against the Machine are. So I didn't I didn't even try and put an offer in. All right. Having been to Finsbury Park for a couple of things, including seeing uh, Queens of the Stone Age there a, a couple of years ago, it's a shit place to see bands <laughs> live. The, the problem is it's... You can have as good a stage and sound setup as you like, but Finsbury Park is so closely surrounded by residential areas that they can't turn the music up to the level you really need for that size of venue. And it's a real pity, but if you get any wind, it spoils everything. It's, it's yeah, it's not great. Didn't we see Radiohead there? I saw Radiohead at Finsbury Park. We saw Radiohead in Victoria Park in East Ah, Island. that's it. Got you. Yeah, and we saw sure. Food Fighters in Hyde Park which was equally wind-affected and we end up standing under one of the speaker stacks. Exactly. So, um, so no, going back to Rage Against the Machine, there's some brilliant online stuff of their, of their really early days, like in record shops. That's worth watching cool. as well if you want to have a look at that because it's kind of one guy with a 
dodgy camcorder and the band in the tiny record store going bananas. So that's worth watching. Amazing. That sounds awesome. So did, did they lead you into other things from an inspiration perspective or were they someone that you got into because you're already into a lot of that loud American rock music? I'm massively into the kind of funk and hip hop as well. Uh, that, mm-hmm. Both those styles uh, were new to me. So I was in the in the very much indie punk rock kind of crowd, uh, mm-hmm. or at least in my head. So we've been through them before. They're all in the previous chats. But these guys, because they were so much more interesting and funky, it, it swerved me off into those different directions. I even think some of the like the ska punk stuff, which just oh, kind yeah. of just it was a bit different. I was into that. I'm just trying to think of any other artists that, that I really got into because things like Audio Slave, who were mm-hmm. part Radio, Rage Against the Machine as well, they were a natural follow-on, but um, they don't really quite sound the same. Right. No, you know what? I'm going to say no. They stand alone as brilliant. So um, Fair enough. How about you? Did, did you, once you'd seen The Matrix and you'd heard that, did you think you wanted to listen to more? Uh, they, I mean, they definitely got me into listening to more of Rage Against the Machine uh, because at that point there were multiple albums out so you could go and get into a whole bunch of stuff but I don't know that they specifically influenced me into other stuff I think it was more just solidifying certain things that I already like because Red Hot Chili Peppers had that funk semi hip hop thing going on and I've been into them for a number of years so yeah it was it was more of that just being something that was like oh my god these guys are incredible i'm gonna add them to what i listen to and they're definitely a band that i've come back to time and time again over the last couple of decades yeah you can put on their records and they don't age they haven't yet so right i mean they're as relevant if not more relevant today than they were when they were recorded yeah exactly so um so yeah, long long may they carry on playing on everyone's uh, CD collections. See, I keep saying CD collections. God damn it! <laughs> and Spotify, go and listen to yeah. them on your Spotify's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. Great choice. I mean, nothing else I can add to that. Cheers, mate. Yeah, that's been good. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong. 